Welcome to the C3 SYD podcast. Our heart for you is that you would know Jesus, find community and discover purpose. To find out more about our church, head to our website at c3syd.church. We hope that this message encourages you today. God, we're hungry for more tonight. We're open, oh God, and hungry. Your house is open and it's ready and it's willing and it's available. Whatever You want of us tonight, Lord, whatever You wanna do amongst Your people, I'm asking, oh God, for the spirit of revival to break out in this church tonight. Lord, we thank You for what You've done. But Lord, it's a new day. And we're asking for a fresh moving of Your Spirit tonight. Upon Your people we pray in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, come on one last time. Let's just honour the Lord, put our hands together. Hey, why don't you grab your seat? Thank you so much, team. We're gonna let Dan just hang out a little bit in the presence of the Lord. You can stay there all night if you want to, bro. It's all good. I wanna thank you for your love and hospitality. Joe and I have been so looked after and uh, we just feel a part of your family. And so Alex and Jessen, thank you so much. And uh, it, it, it's the same spirit uh, that's in our church, it's in, in your church. And, and uh, it's just been such an honour to come and just uh, connect, hang out, share the Word and, and just celebrate with you. Uh, Isaiah 57, Isaiah 57. I'm gonna read through from verses 14 to 15. And um, this is on my heart for you tonight. And on Sunday uh, here at Oxford Falls, we'll preach on some other things, but the Lord's really put this upon my heart for you tonight. Verse 14 says, And it shall be said, Build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly or humble spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I wanna speak to you tonight a word that I believe is prophetic for you as a congregation in multiple locations. I wanna speak to you about preparing for revival. <clears throat> Three people are excited about that. <laughs> 10 people are excited about that. On August 28th last year, um, we had a significant, massive outpouring of the Spirit like I've never seen before. And, and like you, I've been in a lot of meetings, a lot of services. And uh, so August 28th last year is affectionately known as Super Bowl Sunday in our church. And um, in the lead up, sort of coming out of COVID and in the lead up to that day, our church had been mobilised around Psalm 85.6. God, will you not revive us again? 
that your people may rejoice in you. And so corporate prayer, personal prayer, 24-7 prayer, pray, pray, pray. We really postured the church around pressing into God, leaning into God for revival, for a move of His Spirit. And uh, we have a revival conference and all of that happened. And then we went into the Sunday and uh, things were really um, building up. And it was almost like the way I would describe it is like the, the balloon was fully inflated, but at midday, a pin was put in the balloon. And uh, I, um, as our guest ministry, uh, began to open up the altars at midday and really didn't preach, but just felt led to minister deliverance and a whole bunch of things. I quickly was out and went to the restroom, came and was walking around the side tunnel of our auditorium. And I prayed this simple prayer, God, will you father me at a deeper level? It, 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 it wasn't that I didn't have a revelation of the Father heart of God. It wasn't that God wasn't fathering me, but it came out of a cry that the Lord would father me at a deeper level than ever before. And no sooner had I walked 10 metres than the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, are you serious about that? And it's like it was so sort of sharp and striking in my heart. And I said, yes, Lord, I want you to father me at a deeper level in my life than ever before. Well, we, I, I walked back side of platform down the stage and, and uh, started to minister to people. And as I was ministering to people, the only way I can describe it within about five minutes is I came into the single greatest God encounter of my life. And like you, I've had many God encounters, but the way I would describe it is like being blasted with a Holy Ghost cannon off the top of Mount Everest. And, and after I sort of came to, after about 30 minutes, um, the Lord said to me, I want you to get up and I want you to call everyone back on Tuesday night. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know that we're about to go into eight months of midweek revival services in our church where people would be flying in from all over the world to come and receive healing and prayer and and, and an outbreak of the Spirit and to carry that flame of revival back to their own church and ministry. I didn't know that all all of that was gonna happen. But as I had three people help me up onto the platform to try and articulate what was... uh, Uh, the Lord had instructed me to say, the first words out of my mouth was, I've got a confession to make. My wife, who was side of stage, literally thought to herself, oh no, my husband's about to confess publicly a scandalous sin in front of the whole congregation. So she literally, true story, drops uh, down to her knees and starts praying, no Lord, not this way. Can Can He please tell me in private, not this way. And and out of my mouth, after I said, I've got a confession to make, I said these words, I repent of man-made control. As soon as I said that, a shout and a cheer went up from 900 people in the congregation, literally. And the next words out of my mouth was, it is therefore I who no, uh, uh, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And for the first time, even though I had preached that and even though I had taught that and even though I thought what that meant, it wasn't until that moment that I realised in that moment I had crossed a threshold. I had crossed a line and there was no longer any return or going back to a place of control, of convenience, of comfortable leadership, ministry, Christianity, of whatever it may be. And in that very moment, holy pandemonium broke out in that group of 900 people and 12 hours to 13 hours later, that one service went into the next service, went into the next service. No one left, people only came. And the greatest mass outpouring of deliverances, healings, baptisms in the Spirit and salvations took place over that next 13 hours. And then we came back on Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. And we began to see over the next eight months, this wave of the Spirit of God break out across our church. And anyone who came with a hungry childlike heart began to encounter the reviving power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. As I said, we saw hundreds of miracles begin to break out. We would get words of knowledge about um, Catholic priests being in the congregation and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, you'd have to say it a few times before this little Catholic priest up the back put up his hand and he came down the front, got baptised in the Holy Spirit and, and took this revival fire back to his parish. We would have Anglican vicars and people, conservative Baptist backgrounds. How know when the Spirit of God moves, He doesn't check your denominational card at the door. He's just looking for hunger. He's looking for childlikeness. Not one of us has the market share or an entitlement to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. God is no respecter of persons. He's looking for hungry, thirsty hearts. People who will give an absolute rip what anybody else thinks and says, I want Him more than I want my reputation. I want Him more than I want popularity. I want Him more than I want anything else in life. And when God finds Himself that person, be assured He will knock on your door. And I hear the Word of the Lord tonight, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see, when we talk about revival, it makes some people feel really uneasy, but revival is actually a partnership between God's sovereignty and our preparation. The Bible says in verse 14a, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. You and I have a role to play in this of preparation for what God wants to do sovereignly in our church and in our lives. In the Old Testament, the word revive uh, occurs about 15 times. In the New Testament, whilst we don't see the word revive, we see definitely the evidence. Hamnes would say that uh, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, is pretty much the prototype New Testament revival that is the precedent for every other historic move of God throughout history. And when the Bible says, that you and I have been made alive together with Christ. The very definition of revival or to be revived means to be made alive. It's to be quickened. It's to be put back into use after disuse. 
And so it's so important that we understand historically revival. And I've read about 30 revival books in the last year because I had to play catch up, right? I've always had this on my heart, but I had to play catch up because I'm like, how do you lead? How do you steward a revival? And in fact, we had people come to us who were there on that day and said, I've never seen anything like it. How are you going to sustain this? I said, I don't know. Can we all just agree that the three words, I don't know, are some of the most powerful words that you could ever articulate in your life? What is this fixation with? We have to know everything. I don't know. It'll set you free. Let's practice that together. I don't know. So I went to God and I said, God, how are we going to sustain this? He said, wrong question. He said, you didn't start it, so you don't have to sustain it. He said, I started it. You just have to remain in me and you have to abide in me and you have to follow me and go where I'm going. And when you don't know what to do, get on your knees, ask me to show you. I'll show you the next step. His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. When God speaks, He gives you enough to take one more step. Some of you want 20 steps. Uh Uh-uh, He'll only give you one or two. And if you'll be faithful with the slither, the 50 cent revelation that He gives you, it will compound with interest into a $100 burning bush, spectacular testimony. But you've got to be willing to step out in faith on the 50 cent revelation that God gives you in your life. And so for the last 13 months, we have no idea what we're doing. And it's glorious. I'm more free than ever before. I don't care what people, I love people, but it's not about whether or not does this satisfy the customer in the church or or are the people happy with this or not. All those thoughts went out a long time ago. All I'm consumed with is, God, what do you wanna do today? What do you wanna do in this moment? What do you wanna do in that person's life? And all we need to do, people, is we need to just get behind and get on the, 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 the carriage and on the train of the Holy Spirit and go where He is going. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit has no obligation, no commitment to keep in step with you and I. He doesn't look at our great programs and ministries and say, oh, I'm gonna get in alignment with you. No, He says, this is what I'm doing. Are you gonna join me in what I'm doing? For too long, we've tried to get God to bless what we're doing. What we actually need to ask God, God, what is it that you're doing in the earth? And let us join you in that because that's what you're blessing. That's what you're doing. That's how you're moving. We got to get on God's page rather than God being on ours. And so what often happens is to counteract spiritual decline throughout different generations in history, God births a cry in the heart of His church for revival. And when we often see lack in our lives or lack in the church, we tend to blame that lack on the sovereignty of God. Well, if God wills it, it'll happen. And we can sort of get a very laissez-faire, sort of complacent approach to things. But if there is any lack, like we talked about this morning, the lack isn't on God's end, the lack is on our end. God's sovereignty won't do for you and I what God's Spirit has commissioned our faith to do. There are things that God will do, but there are things that you and I have got to partner with Him in. 
In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 110.3, your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. So how many of us know the day of God's power is determined by God, but us offering ourselves freely is determined by us. We've got to be willing vessels to present ourselves as living sacrifices on the day of God's power. And so honour for God's presence over man's approval is foundational for revival. The Bible says, remove every obstruction. Another word for obstruction is fence. Remove the fence, remove the obstruction from my people's way. I've learned that one of the greatest obstacles to a new move of the Spirit of God is a lack of honour for God moving on His terms. Often we're so enamoured about are we honouring people, we forget are we honouring the presence of God. And so we've got to guard ourselves, leaders, from being content to build a great ministry and build a great church, but not hungry for a move of the Spirit of God. Many people don't want a move of the Spirit of God or revival because it's messy. I remember being asked to preach at a conference one time, all these pastors, leaders, about 1,300 pastors, and he said, I don't want you to preach on revival. It's not in the Bible. I don't want you to prophesy over the front row. I want you to prophesy over the back row because you make all the people up the back feel insecure about all the prophecies on the front row. And he went through this list of things. I thought he was joking. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I said, I'm not your man. I said, I, I honour you, I'll come under your authority, but I, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure that you, you fully understand what you're getting when, when you get me and, and, and what's going to happen. And I just said, I honour you and I pray. But, and he said, honour. And, and, and so often, what is that about? It's because we want a move of God on our terms. We want to control the flow of the Spirit. But the Spirit is wild. In fact, my favourite revival verse is Proverbs 14.4. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. One of the reasons why we get nervous about revival is because of the potential excess. Well, what if it gets into the flesh? But if you study historical revivals, no revival ended because of excess. Every revival ended because of man-made control. John Wesley said this, God, give us revival without its defects. But if we can't have revival without its defects, just give us revival. Come on, somebody. There's got to be somewhere in, in, in your heart for the more of God where you're like, you know what? I'm throwing caution to the wind. God, I'm so hungry and I'm so thirsty for you to move in my life, in my church and in my generation. That Lord, I'm prepared to tolerate even a little bit of out there because out of my comfort zone, oh God, take us out of our comfort zone tonight. Take us out of our place of control and convenience. You see, revival introduces new ways of being offended. I have seen more bizarre stuff, more crazy stuff, more wild stuff in the last 13 months than I've ever seen in my ministry. And I've been around, baby. I've, I've, I've been around. I'm not a virgin voice. I have been around. I have seen some crazy meetings. But let me tell you something. When you let that thing out of the cage and, and you let the Spirit of God go, get ready for what God is about to do. But in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit works things out. 
And while we're evaluating what God is or isn't doing, often we're missing our own experience. God has not asked us to evaluate Him. He's asked us to experience Him. We live in a culture that critiques things and thinks that we are justified in our critique. But no child, we heard the testimony earlier, childlike faith just says, Abba Father, I'm hungry for more of You. I want more of You. And so never let your lack become the measuring stick of somebody else's hunger. You don't know what they've been through when they're dancing and running and shaking and rattling and rolling and holding holding from the chandeliers. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what abuse has been in their home. You don't know what fear and anxiety has come against their mind. And while we evaluate and judge someone else's response to that, somebody else is getting their miracle. Somebody else is getting their breakthrough. And so we've got to ask God, God, would you make us childlike again? with a heart of awe and a heart of wonder. I would rather be a novice in the new thing rather than an expert in the old thing. The Pharisees were experts in the old thing. The disciples were novices in the new and the experts in the old had to stand as spectators at the triumphant entry on the steps of Jerusalem as Jesus, the next move of God, came through the city. We've got to be careful that we don't go, I know how this works. I bought the T-shirt. I've done it. I've seen it. I've been to the C3SYD conference. I know how this works. We've got to be careful that every Sunday we gather together, there's a hunger and an expectation. Every time we go to a prayer meeting or a connect group, there's a hunger and expectation. We don't have to wait until the guest ministry comes through before we believe for miracles, signs and wonders to break out in our youth ministry and in our schools and in our universities. And the Lord is trying to awaken His church again to be the people who know their God. They shall be strong and do mighty exploits in Jesus' Name. So honour for God's presence is really key foundation. But not only that, holiness is essential to carry the spirit of revival. The Bible tells us in verse 15a, it tells us that in verse 15, what does it say? For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Holiness speaks of consecration. I believe there's a theme from the first night to this night and into the weekend. It means to be set apart. And the Lord says, I dwell in the high and holy place. I think we all will acknowledge as Spirit-filled believers while the Holy Spirit lives in us, often He only rests on a few in terms of manifest presence not because the Holy Spirit is fragile, but so few of us actually cultivate a resting place for the holiness of God. One of the things that became very apparent early on in this move of God is the need for a pure heart. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I've never repented more in all my life than I have over the last 13, 14 months. Things that I used to tolerate, thoughts 
gossip, slander, things that made me feel better, superior than somebody else. The Lord would come and pinpoint and highlight my heart and say, no, I've asked you to put off the old self and put on the new. I've asked you to set yourself apart. If you wanna carry this and steward this, there is a greater cost and a greater price that you are to carry. 1 Peter 1.15 says, be holy as I am holy. That means to reorientate yourself to the nature of God. The nature of God is holiness. It's not just a spirit. He's a holy spirit. And when God gets close to us, what's not holy inside of us gets exposed. Hello, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. The holiness of God, the power of God, the reviving work of the Spirit is breaking out. And Ananias and Sapphira, their their deception is exposed. What's not holy in a move of God gets exposed. And this should provoke us to a fear of God to an awe because revival isn't true revival if it isn't marked by repentance. Repentance of self-centeredness, repentance of pride, repentance of complacency. On that day of outpouring, I said to our global team, I said, get ready. People are about to repent of things, skeletons in their cupboard, things that are going on in their life that's gonna shock you, that's gonna surprise you. Let me tell you, will there be pastoral issues in a move of God? You better believe it. Why? Because it's God cleaning house. God's cleaning His church up. God is bringing things to the surface. He's revealing things and He never does it to name you and shame you. He does it to set you free. He does it to make you whole. He does it to restore you. We, how many of us know conviction isn't an inconvenience to a lifestyle of sin? Conviction is a gift. I want Him to convict me. I want preaching to cut me. We need preaching in this nation that cuts people's hearts again. We need the sword of the Spirit to cut people's hearts. You can't read the Gospels and read Jesus and think to yourself, oh, everyone was just loved everything that Jesus did. Do you ever read the Gospels and just feel like, I'm nowhere near this. I mean, I'm not even a Christian compared to that. There was a cutting, there was a dividing. And I'm telling you in our nation and in the body of Christ right now, we are on the threshing floor of the Spirit where the Spirit is sifting us like we. There is a sifting process that is happening in the church in this hour. And things that are of the flesh are being revealed and exposed for what they are. And they're being cut away from our hearts and cut away from our ministries because God is preparing this nation for the greatest move of God that we have ever seen. And God doesn't want one church to miss out. He doesn't want one expression of the body to miss out. And you who are C3, you who have moved in such power and moves of God in the past, the Lord is coming to you and saying, I want you to be at the epicentre of what I'm doing in this nation and around the world. But it comes back to a decision to live consecrated, to live set apart, not to be legalistic, not, not, not to be, you know, sort of uh, lemon sucking, you know, Christians who, who are so serious and, and that's definitely not C3, right? Uh, 
keep your joy, keep your fun, keep all the spunk of who we are as God's people. But also there's gonna come times where maybe the way we talk, maybe the way that we operate and maybe the way that we processed and evaluated ministry, ourselves, life, whatever it is, the Lord comes and says, you know what? I need you to lay that down in this season. I need you to let that be cut out of you. I need you to repent of that. Repentance is not feeling remorseful. That may be attached to it. Repentance is, I used to do this, but now I've changed my thinking. And what did Jesus say? Unless you repent, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So the fullness of the kingdom of heaven cannot be accessed until we go through a change of thinking, a renewal of our mind. Holiness is essential to carry the spirit of revival. A humble heart guards you against a spirit of entitlement. The Bible says in verse 15, in the second part, he says, not only do I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him or her who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. You know, the presence of God manifests on the altar of brokenness. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. When revival breaks out, when a move of God breaks out, no one really knows what they're doing. And if they think they do, they're kidding you and themselves. No one knows. Because I read in the Old Testament, when the glory of God broke out, the, the priests couldn't even stand. So who's offering the sacrifices? No one knows what to do. All you gotta do is hold on to the Spirit of God in humility and brokenness and say, God, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how this works, but all I know is I've got to hold on to you. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. I just say to people, isn't it logical? Isn't there enough resistance in life without you inviting the resistance of heaven against your life? I mean, it just makes sense. You just humble yourself and just say, God, whatever's prideful in me, whatever is about me and being consumed with me, God, would you cut it out of my heart? I, life is already tough and difficult without inviting the resistance of God as well. I need all the grace and all favour that I can get. Does anyone else agree with me in the room? So, so we've got to come in low. This is a season where if you assume and presume a high position, you're going to get taken out because the axe is at the root of the tree. And what is not of the Spirit is being cut out and cut off. So, so you're going to make a decision. Duck, duck the blade when it comes and make a decision to go in low when we're in meetings, go in low. You know, you may be dealing in a high-powered corporate environment. Come in low with a spirit of humility. You'd be amazed at the wisdom, the favour, the anointing that will come on your life in that room to bring solutions to problems. You'll be amazing. Your greatest financial breakthroughs will come to you as you come in low. And whatever the Holy Spirit asks you to do, Go with that, step out, give, be honest, do whatever the Lord asks you to do because we're in a season where he's, the, the Word is coming to rightly divide between flesh and spirit and truth and error. 
Corrie ten Boom was asked, the great um, Auschwitz and uh, World War II uh, survivor from the Holocaust, she was asked, how do you stay humble? And she responded, when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem uh, on the donkey and all of the, 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 His disciples and followers were waving palm branches, laying blankets down and singing Hosanna in the highest. Do you think it entered into the mind of that donkey for one moment that all of that praise and all of that honour was for the donkey? She said, all I am is a donkey that Jesus Christ can ride in His glory upon. And so you've just got to make a decision in life that you're going to be a donkey for Jesus and you're going to eat all your little heart out. Whether you're in the school, whether you're in your workplace, business, your family, the sports club, or you're here on a Sunday, all we are is donkeys for Jesus. And at the end of the day, all of our titles, all of our efforts, all of our money, all of our looks, all of our image, all of our reputation, all of our gifts and abilities are ultimately gifts from heaven anyway, that none of us deserve, that God by His grace has given to us and it's all going back to Him or remaining here, one of the two, and it's gonna be tested by fire and it's either gonna be burned up or it's gonna result in eternal reward. Can I encourage us, whatever God is or isn't doing in your life right now, come in low. Out of all the essential ingredients of a move of God, the number one in every single historical revival, the number one is hunger. Where there is no hunger, there will be no move of God. Hunger is the essential prerequisite for a move of God above all else. Proverbs 27, 7 says this, One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. You know, seven and a half years ago, my 59-year-old mother breathed her last breath and she'd been fighting a lung disease for 25 years when we were intensely praying, believing, fasting for breakthrough, her health would increase. When we stepped back, became complacent, her health would decline. And she had some measure of responsibility in this to steward her body well and was, you know, sort of addicted to adrenaline and just lived a very fast-paced ministry lifestyle and unfortunately prematurely lost her life. But, you know, in the six weeks, as her health gradually declined, preaching a pastor's conference in Darwin and six weeks later, breathed her last breath. Over those six weeks, I saw that as sickness just began to take hold of her body, as death began to take hold of her body, the first thing to leave was her hunger, her appetite. Anyone who's dealt with anyone in the last days of their life will know I've you know, work in the police force years ago and work with people breathing their last breaths. And then I worked in a hospital and would work with people who were in their last moments before they, they died. And you would know that in those final days and weeks, the first thing to go would be their appetite and hunger. The first sign of a sick Christian is they lose their hunger for God. And this is why while I love everybody, I never listen to the advice of complacent believers about what God is or isn't doing in the earth right now because their lack of hunger distorts their view of who God is and what He is doing. And we are called to love people. We're called to pass them, journey with them, go on the journey, share our faith with them. But we are not called to allow ourselves to become under the yoke or influence of a complacent spirit 
that actually causes us to step back from what it is that God is calling us to do. Can I tell you, hunger will always look past a fence. Just like that Syrophoenician woman who wanted her daughter to be healed. And Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. How many of us know that is not politically correct? That would get him strung up on social media, on cancelled, right? But, but Jesus is not trying to offend her. He's trying to test her faith. And she is so hungry for breakthrough. She looks past the offence and she says, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, I like you. You're not like the others that when I share my Dracula message, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you run away. Oh no, you're hungry for breakthrough. Hunger will always look past offence. Doesn't get easily offended. In fact, I read somewhere, love doesn't get easily offended. There's something about hunger that is attractive to God. And the great thing about hunger, as the team comes and joins us, the great thing about hunger is you don't have to be gifted to be hungry. All you need is desire. Catherine Corman is a perfect example of this. She said this to the Lord, I was born without talent. And one day I said, wonderful Jesus, I don't have a thing to offer you. But if you can take nothing and use it, here's nothing. All I can give you is my love. And the rest is history. You say, well, I don't have that gift. I don't have that ability. I, I don't have that capacity or, or confidence. The Lord says, no, you don't need it. What you need is a desire for more of me a desire for His presence. I asked the Lord one time, God, how long do you want me to pray for? You know, we all wanna know the formula. What's, what's the one plus one plus one that equals three that will get the breakthrough? And the Lord's like, again, wrong question. Have you discovered often we ask the wrong questions? We're focused on the wrong things. He's like, no, no, it's not how long do you pray, it's how hungry are you for me? Because if you're hungry for me, every waking moment, you can live conscious of my presence. You can live conscious of my spirit and my power at work through you. And at any given moment, you can just lean, turn left, turn right, go where I want you to go. Why? Because you're hungry for my presence. I heard the Lord say, I will only go where I'm hungered for, sacrificed for and sought after. Not everything my church is doing, I'm in. But where I find a hungry people, where I find a people that will offer up living sacrifices, I will visit, I will come and I will dwell with them. And I wanna ask you tonight, how hungry are you for God? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You have as much of God today as you wanted Him yesterday. But how much of God you have tomorrow will be determined by how much you want Him today. And when you're hungry for God, you'll do things that others think are crazy, that others think is pointless. Why would you go do that? But hunger goes and searches after the things of God, whatever that looks like, wherever God leads you. We, we were led to go and visit. We went and visited our church in the States and on the way through in California, we went to Azusa Street, the outpouring of the Spirit. And as we're there ministering to a man, this guy said, hey, you need to go to Bonnie Bray House. 
And we said, Bonnie Bray House. I, I, I read about it. I knew about it from my church history. And he said, Bonnie Bray House is where actually Azusa Street, the outpouring of the Spirit in 1906, of which we are all the recipients of, Bonnie Bray House is where it all started. Everyone talks about Azusa Street. You need to go to Bonnie Bray House. So we jumped in the car, drove over to Bonnie Bray House, didn't even know you could go visit it. Went out the front, it's all boarded up, all caged up. We're thinking, and there was, you can have tours, but you have to book and we didn't book. So we're out the front, we're praying, God, Lord, thank You for what You did here over a hundred years ago. Would You do it again? And the front door opens and out comes who we came to know as Mama Soul, a little Hispanic grandmother who's the caretaker of Bonnie Bray House. And in the 80s and 90s, she lived in Bonnie Bray House for 20 years. And she said, you wanna come in, don't you? And we said, yes, we do. She said, you haven't made a booking, have you? We said, no, we haven't. She said, I wasn't gonna let you in. She said, I was in the living room and I heard that you're out the front and I know why you're here. You wanna come and you wanna pray in here. We said, yes, we do. And I said to the Lord, I'm not letting them in. They don't have an appointment. And she said, the Lord said to me, you must let these people in. My favour is upon them and I wanna meet with them today. And she said, why don't you come up the stairs? So we go in and we, we go into the living room where William Papa William Seymour got baptised in the Holy Spirit. The very place where he was baptised, literally the very floorboards are still there. The old piano, Catherine Coleman's pulpit is in the next living room. And there is a presence to this place. And for the next hour, we wept and we cried out to God, God, Lord, You've done it once. Lord, would You do it again in Australia? That which we've received, that which our church was birthed in, that which this church was birthed in. All of those years ago, God, You've done it once. Would You do it again? And that mama soul came and laid hands upon my head and, and there was an impartation of revival anointing, a manifestation upon me for the next hour, I shook and I couldn't speak. They had to carry me to the car. And as we drove away, none of us could speak, but we wept because there was an impartation. There was a weight of glory that came upon us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that same Spirit that was in that Bonnie Bray house in 1906, and that same Spirit that rocked and blew up this church over 40 years ago, and that same Spirit that came to this nation in 1916 through to 1925 is the same Holy Spirit that's in this room tonight. And there is an impartation of an anointing and a mantle for revival that God wants to pour out upon C3SYD. Oh God, You've done it once, would You do it again? And so all across this room right now, I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. And if you're here tonight and you say, I am hungry for this. God, I don't care what anybody else thinks, but I am hungry for this. Then wherever you are right now, I want you to get out of your seat and run to the front. I want you to contend for this. I want you to come and say, God, Lord, would You do it in me? God, would You stir my heart? God, would You stir my affections of the things of this world? And Lord, would You stir my heart for the things of heaven? Come on all across this room right now. What do you begin to cry out to God? What do you begin to pour out your spirit to the Lord? What do you begin to ask Him to come and fill you? 
to come and revive you, to come and renew you, to come and move in you. Even if you can't get all the way in, wherever you are, just lift your hands in the aisles, lift your hands wherever you are. Begin to cry out to the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's sing. You know, tonight, maybe you need to actually repent of spiritual indifference, of spiritual complacency. Maybe the Lord has touched something to do with pride in your heart. We all wrestle with it, but maybe that's the thing that the Lord is talking to you about. Maybe for some others of us, it's about we've tolerated sin. We've, we've excused ourselves from doing certain things because we think that it's all justified and it's all okay. But maybe the Lord's coming to you and saying, you know what, that attitude, that language, that response, that thing you've been looking at, that thing you've been in, in, entertaining and being influenced by, you actually need to lay it at His feet tonight. Maybe for others of us, there's been this lack of hunger for the things of God. There's been this spiritual complacency and indifference. And the Lord is coming and He's putting that upon your heart. And He's saying, how hungry are you for me? How much do you want? Because there's always more in God. There's always more in God. Maybe you need the fear of man broken off of you tonight. Will you be more worried about what people think? And there's been a lack of honour for the presence of God, for how God wants to move. And tonight you're here and the Lord is saying, I wanna set you free from the fear of a man or a woman. And I want you to come into liberty and freedom like you've never experienced before. And so all across this room right now, whatever it is for you, I want you to lift up your voice and pour out your heart to the Lord. Come on, right now, come on. Don't worry about anybody else around you. Begin to pour out your heart to the Lord. And right now in Jesus' Name, I pray that the fear of man would be broken of the people's minds, of the people's hearts right now. In Jesus' Name, Holy Spirit, that You would come and You would do. Thank you for listening to the C3 SYD podcast. To make sure you don't miss out on our next podcast, click subscribe. If you want to find out more about following Jesus, get connected, or find a C3SYD location near you, head to c3syd.church forward slash connect with us. Don't forget, you can find us on YouTube and Instagram at c3.syd. We look forward to having you back soon.